0: Hi, this is James Altucher. Thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle. On this episode. And then in 2016, I think it was, I read uh, Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning and started doing The Miracle Morning Practice. When I started that, I had my accountability sheet with all of my goals, which is my 10-year, 3-year, 1-year, 90-day, monthly, and then weekly goals. But I started reviewing that every single day. And that's when things absolutely took off for me. I started, Mm -hmm. my goal achievement percentages went up drastically. And the ironic thing is I could actually work fewer hours because I had better balance. I started exercising, I took up running, I became an ultra marathoner, uh, I started traveling more. One of my goals, you know, back to the the love of travel is to visit a hundred countries. So Mm -hmm. I'm at 43 now. I just started, moving my entire life forward, but not just around business. It was in all all the different areas of my life. You have now entered the Entrepreneur Circle.
1: Hey there folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our Eureka moments, and embrace the F-word, meaning failure. to I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I am Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Are you ready to invest in real estate but don't have the time or enough education to do it by yourself? Accountable Equity helps accredited investors who are looking for tax-advantaged investments. So anyone looking for a team of professionals who hold themselves accountable with theirs and your real estate investments, Accountable Equity is your boots on the ground team. Their mission is to bring private offerings to their investors and their clients. With a team of committed and experienced investors themselves, Accountable Equity is always looking for partners to participate in alternative investments which extend beyond publicly traded equities like stocks. Accountable Equity makes alternative passive cash flow possible for more people than ever before in our economy to find out more visit accountableequity.com that's accountableequity.com or look for them on linkedin or facebook that's accountableequity.com or accountable equity that's accountable equity your partner for true passive real estate investments well thanks for being on the show michael nelson
0: eric thanks for having me excited to be here
1: yeah yeah i um didn't realize we had so much in common <laughs> before the mic's turned on. I'm like, we're, oh, we're, we're Go Bros. And, uh, you know, we, you've already been on one of my other shows, Capital Hacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I missed that. Uh, yeah, I was telling Josh the other day, I'm like, I'm, I'm the worst co host, man. I'm so sorry. I'm missing, <laughs> I'm missing episodes with Michael. Uh, so, folks who are catching up here, we're going to learn a ton mm-hmm. through lessons learned, uh, through successes and failures with Mike. He is the founder of TLC Tech, which is an outsourced tech support company, uh, which creates digital transformation for their clients. And he's also the author of Goals That Matter, The Deceptively Simple System to Achieve Everything. And congratulations on that, by the way, brother.
0: Thanks, Eric. Yeah. that that was definitely a uh, a work of passion.
1: (laughs) Yeah. How long did it take?
0: Uh... Overall, I, I, if, if COVID hadn't interrupted the whole process, it would have been about 18 months start to finish.
1: Okay. What um, did you think it would take? Like how long?
0: Oh, I, I'm, I'm the goal guy. I was going to do it in 8 to 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The reason
1: I ask is I'm currently writing a book, my first. Um, is this right. your first? Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, my goal is 8 to 12 months. So I should just anticipate it's going to take 18 months. Granted, any well, pandemics don't hit.
0: <laughs> kind of depends on after the first read when you get it back from your editor. My uh, my first draft ah. came back with twenty four pages of suggested changes. So yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I effectively rewrote a lot of the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got to talk offline. I want to see. Did you yeah. did, did you join a like a publishing house or a company that like helped yeah. you through it?
0: No, but actually, I did uh, engage honorary quarterer. She's uh, she's one of the co-authors of the Miracle Morning book series. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a writing coach, really yeah.
1: good. Yeah, yeah. Definitely need some some help and people in our corner, especially yeah. if we haven't done it before. So yeah, yeah. Love it, it's to. an undertaking. <laughs> we have a micro tribe in abundance, like a writers yes. and aspiring yeah. authors. Yeah, yeah. Are, you're in it.
0: Uh, I had I've attended a couple of them, and yeah. then they like to have people who have published come in and kind of talk about yeah. their experience, what happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just joined it, so I'm like. Where's Michael? We need your knowledge and your firsthand experience here. Now that you're on your book tour. Um, This is good. This is good. So I want to jump into our first segment here, Michael, which I like to call the Eureka moment. That moment of realization for you, a big pivot in family or business. What was that for you?
0: Uh, Actually sitting on a beach in Puerto Rico in 2013. I had gone down there. It was one of the first real vacations that I had taken my business at that point, I think was about nine years old. And I I had vowed I was gonna do this, my current business differently than the first one and went down there for the first week and realized I got a lot of the old habits that I had in the first one, which was basically no balance everything was about the business and that's where the whole focus was. And so I really I, I took this week and just kind of sat on the beach and reflected on what I wanted to do and decided I'd, I looked at all the six main areas of life. And, you know, and in, in, in the abundance tribe, it, it's, you know, the six are six main areas and just kind of mapped out everything that I wanted in their dreams, hopes, goals, just kind of did this wild planning session and went, this is what I I want to work towards. I want to do it differently. So it was just this, it changed the whole tra- trajectory for me.
1: What, what happened prior to that? What were you doing prior to that that made you want to change?
0: I had fallen back into the trap of working all the time. Everything was about the business. I had just, I wasn't traveling. I was overweight. I was, there were a lot of things that just weren't. Yeah, I had fallen back into that entrepreneurial trap that so many of us can, that we just get, you know, the business has grown, things are great, but we just get sucked in and, and forget that there's these other gardens, part of the gardens in our life that need to be nourished as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: Usually something happens, you know, like you said, either you look in the mirror and you're like, who the heck am I looking at? Yeah. Or somebody in your family says something, you're like, whoa, that's not, that's not cool. I'm offended. And then you realize, <laughs> wait a minute, that's my fault. You know, uh, I'm a terrible husband or a terrible father. Or I just remember um, being in corporate America and I was like so miserable. I totally resonated with what you said. Like I was I was overweight, you know, I was just <laughs> not sleeping right and just eating right. And I used to, like my poor daughter who was seven now, I think she was three, two or three at the time. And I was like yelling, and, like at the top of my head. I'm like, is that the father I want to be? like the guy who's punching holes in the wall. That's, that's not cool. Was there anything like that that you couldn't like in childhood? I I like, I like taking the way back machine. So what was it, what was it like when you were growing up in the Nelson household, specifically around like the dinner table?
0: Um, So I like to joke that I was raised by hippie wolves. Uh, (laughs) It's really true. So it's funny. You mentioned the dinner table. When I was 10, my parents bought a 10 acre ranch and their favorite thing to do would be to sit down to the dinner table and say that everything on the table came from the ranch which included the butter that was churned by hand the bread that was ground wheat and wow. baked and i mean literally everything came from the ranch as a as an 11 year old kid i just wanted a big mac now it's <laughs> like wow, this, they they were the original farm to fork i mean there was yeah. you know, um so i had you know my parents were school teachers i just i i had an absolutely blessed childhood. Uh, we actually bought that ranch after uh, my parents uh, had won a lawsuit from from an injury. And when I was younger, so when I was eight years old, they sold their house, bought a 24 foot travel trailer and a truck, pulled us out of school and we traveled the United States for a year.
1: Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What, what do you remember specifically about that transition?
0: So the trip, I mean, I. so the, the rest of my education, every U.S. history, it's like I've seen there, I've been there. I ah. went there. I touched that. It. I mean, we had 39 states and 39,000 miles in 12 months. We just we saw everything. It was wow. uh, they really that the love of travel uh, that is just embedded in me from that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How old were you again?
0: Uh, that in, was nine and 10, I think I'd say ten, 10 on right. the trip. Yeah.
1: You have siblings?
0: Yeah. My older, older brother, he was two and a half years older than me. Okay. Yeah. He is.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, congrats to your parents for like taking the risk and, you know, uh, knowing that experience is like the best gift in terms of learning, you know, rather than reading from textbooks and, oh, yeah. um, so. Did you go back to like traditional, uh, traditional school set after that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did. Because they taught in the
1: school district. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah, because gotcha. yeah. I imagine like experiencing that from from from, you know, father, mother and your brother, you know, maybe we'll just homeschool, you know, like this is great. You know, we were teach because I know people that actually do that. And you, you I'm, I'm sure, you know, especially in GoBundance where people learn through trips and experience, right, and educate that way. Um, I'm just wondering what the sort of difference when you when you went back to school and you start to learn that way versus learning uh, through the trips. Like, what was that doing for you? At
0: that age, I was pretty malleable. I mean, you know, with just getting back into that habit of of a regular normal nine to five life, as it were, uh, you know, as a student, though. But yeah. I think, and and yeah, I think they might've been more open to homeschooling, except that my dad was a school teacher in the district. And it's, it's a little yeah. taboo, you know, yeah. yeah, I'll teach here, but I'm not going to let my kids go here. <laughs> what and it time? was really a great district. So.
1: Gotcha. What town was that? Did you grow up? In? Uh, Sacramento. Okay. In Sacramento. Yeah. 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 It's great. So uh, as you were growing up um, and your, your parents were, you know, in their profession and trade, were what were sort of the entrepreneurial inspiration, you know, sort of figureheads that, that, you know, created the Michael that we know today.
0: So it's funny, I didn't really have, so my dad had entrepreneurial spirit. He, uh, when they bought the ranch, he started boarding horses. They, I think we sold hay for a while. So he had kind of side hustles um, as it were. And that was really, I, I don't think I really knew other entrepreneurs. I started a little young. I, there was a, a, in junior high, I remember I'd go to the uh, candy store and buy candy for five cents and sell it on the campus for 10 or 15 cents. So I always had a little side hustles since I was a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When, when you were on the farm growing up there, did you have to do a lot of the work?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 10 acre ranch. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There was a lot of it. You know, yeah. as a kid, again, I hated it. You know, it's a, it, it's that Big Mac story. But as an adult, I mean, the things that I learned—the discipline, the the self-reliance, the ability—knowing that I could do anything—really is a lot of what gave me the confidence to be able to start the first business.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. When you when you got the cojones and the confidence to create your own business, like, how did how did that come to be? And then, and then let's get into, so that story, because it, it was like what you call the dot bomb era, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I started off actually as a school teacher. I, uh, out of college, I moved to Maui, ended up getting a, a, wow. I was a substitute teacher over there, um, made good money, actually came back from Maui with a savings account, which was pretty amazing and started substitute teaching back here in Sacramento and got offered a long-term sub-assignment and ended up getting my teaching credential. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, that was 95. And that's when the internet came out. And by then I had the computer lab. It was one of the first computer labs in the district. And I thought, okay, I'm going to build a website for my school. So I did that. Uh, a friend of my dad's who had a multi-level marketing business said, hey, would you build me a website for this? And i like, sure. And it was like a five-page website. And I mean, literally back when... The only graphic you could have was this tiny little thing because it took so long to load and built that. And he said, how much do I owe you? And I had no idea. It's like five pages. Okay, 125 bucks. He said, no, that's not enough. I'm going to give you 200. And he was the cheapest man I had ever met. And I thought, hmm. I might be onto something here. So I sat down, wrote a business plan out. And the nice thing is I taught school early and I was out by two o'clock. So I decided I could have that as a safety net and I would start this business and I would teach for the rest of that year full time. And then the next year I could drop down to half time. And maybe after those two years, I would have enough business that I could quit teaching. So I started in September of 95. By December, I had to drop down to half-time teaching. And by April, I had two full-time employees and I was still teaching and I had to quit outright. So it was literally seven months and it just exploded. It was wow. pretty amazing.
1: Wow. What was your, your household dynamic at the time? married, kids, family.
0: Nope. Nope. Single. And that, that was the nice thing. So I, I mean, that also financially gave me the ability to take risks. So I only had to worry about myself. I still had in the beginning, like I said, I was still teaching, but by the time we'd grown, I had enough cash that I could, I could take that, that jump.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm so curious about those early days as you started to realize, wait a minute, there's there seems to be a groundswell here. There uh-huh. seems to be a desire and a need for for these these websites and man, they were you remember, awful.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean this is this was even before Netscape even came out. Oh, I right. mean it was way back in the day. a like
1: 56k modems, I think. Oh yeah, there was yeah. still dial-up
0: and, yeah. and those Yahoo discs were being. <laughs> yeah, you could you you could not walk outside without stepping on a Yahoo disc.
1: Oh man, and then AOL started taking it to the next level. With oh no, their, that's
0: the one. Yeah, AOL discs. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those tin like first it was in paper, and then it was in tin, and then they got really fancy with it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, oh my goodness, they got they got more money than God to be creating these CDs and these DVDs yeah. for people. Wow. Um, they we were
0: making a
1: ton. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, they took over or joined or merged or whatever with Time Life, remember? And right, the Time Life right. building became AOL. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do want to take a trip down memory lane because this was a funny, funny time. Um, so you were building websites, uh, you started to employ people mm-hmm. and then you realized, okay, yeah, I might as well do this full time. What What, what started to happen then, like as you started to build this company?
0: So interesting. I, I uh, had rented a, I needed an office before I hired the first employees, obviously. And I had rented from the, uh, a guy that I had met had a hundred square foot office downtown. Wow. And so I rented a desk from him and I'd go down there in the afternoons and I kept my business hours and doing all of that. And I got a call from AT&T. I really thought they were trying to sell me something. And they had this vision, it was called Sidewalks, that they were going to build these communities online and they were finding web design firms to go out and build websites for this sidewalk. And I almost hung up on them at crazy. And four days later, I had six suits from New York City in my office interviewing me on how we could help build the websites and who could we go talk to. And so they said, find nonprofits that you wanna help. Go tell them that we'll pay to have the website built. Wow. What do you charge? And I said, well, we, we charge by the site. They said, no, we'll pay you by the hour. What do you want by the hour? It was just insane. We ended up, I, that took us from two to seven people. It was just insane.
1: Wow, so because it was so new, and there weren't a lot of web developers at the time, mm-hmm. so you had to find people that I'm guessing you you at least knew and maybe liked, n- maybe no trust yet, but you know you you had to train them. I imagine like to what no, you did. No, because funny thing works. is,
0: I, so the other that the guy that I had rented the office space from, he had another guy that he knew that did coding, and he ended up coming into the business as well, and he just he was. Unbelievably gifted, so that started that. I also had the former students hired a couple of former students from the computer lab, um, and just but everybody wanted to be in the business. I mean, it was the thing to do. It was it was it was a really heady time. <laughs>
2: on-air brands has changed the game there'll never be a day from here forward when you and i and our companies don't need to be on the air every brand needs to be on the air but so few know that so it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business. Reach out to on Air Brands today. That's OnAirBrands.com. Yes, OnAirBrands.com.
1: So so let's let's celebrate some of the wins that happened during that time. Like what was the height of it all before it all came crashing? The coolest down?
0: thing was we landed the California State Lottery as a client. We wow. built their website and at the time they didn't have any place to host it. So we hosted it on our servers and literally <laughs> oh these were e-machine e-machine desktops that were, oh, you know, man. we did this on cashflow, they were held together with bailing wire. And it just happened to coincide shortly after we launched that they hit for the first time, a $100 million uh, lottery. And so we were getting a million hits an hour. And we had, a, we had a six megabit connection. And it cost, my God, I think we were paying like $5,000 for six megabits back then. I mean, it was just <laughs> insane how, how expensive. So that, I mean, that was really the big, I mean, to have the, to, to land an account like that was just utterly amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Give us a, so, give us an idea of what you, from what you remember, what was the revenue at the height? Like, Well, how much were you guys making? Oh,
0: not surprisingly, not that much. I mean, so we're also talking, what was this, 92? So yeah. we're talking almost 30 years ago. Uh, I think at our best, we did like 1.5 million. So it might've been equivalent to about 3 million, 4 million yeah. a day maybe.
1: Oh, yeah. And how oh. many were on staff and, you know, contracted out at this Way point? Way
0: too many. <laughs> <laughs> because we kept growing so quickly. We yeah. just had to keep feeding that engine. Uh, at our height, we had 32 employees. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then what was the moment during that time that you started to realize, wait a minute, something's going wrong?
0: So the first cash flow crisis, and you can't grow like this, you know, trying to grow that large that quickly from cash flow was just insane. And so I'm six foot two, you know, healthy weight for me is about 185. And at the end of the first cash flow crisis, I weighed 154 pounds. Oh God, you went just, the other way. I think oh, you were going to say I was no, 289 no, pounds. <laughs> no, no. I, was, I was so wound up and, nervous. and the nerves for me hit me in the stomach. Wow. And so I just I couldn't eat. Um, wow. it just yeah. So it was insane.
1: So are you who who's the operational uh side of the business? Was it you or was your partner?
0: So he did the coding, he did the he did more of the technical side, I did the sales side. Um yeah. and in hindsight, we probably needed somebody running the operational side. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that was the biggest mistake. And and the the guy that I had rented the office space from, he was kind of like the elder for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he helped guide as well, but there were, you know, it was my first business. I didn't know what I didn't know. And really what I didn't know was margins that mm-hmm. paying attention on the margins and understanding the revenue streams. That was probably the biggest mistake that we made growing that company, but it was just, everything was just being thrown at us. And it was, it was the time. I mean, it was, it, it was an amazing time to live through.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I remember it very well. I wasn't doing what you were doing, um, but I saw it everywhere. Right. And it was crazy. It was the Clinton era, right? I mean, was it Clinton that was in office at the time?
0: No. So, well, I remember that the end of it, because right, the very tail end of us was September 11th. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was Bush. But yeah, I remember the dot-com era and everybody needed a website. and Mm -hmm. um. People who got in too late. You sound like you got in early enough to be oh, a, a multi-million dollar business.
0: Yeah, we were. We got lucky, and uh, I got a phone call. It was funny when I was still teaching. I was smart enough to have an answering service, and I get a call from my classroom, and it's my service. And she said, "Michael, I know you said never to call you, but we got a call from. It was the local news station. And they want to do an interview at four o'clock today, and they need an answer right now. Called them. I ended up getting interviewed by them. Twelve times over the next twelve months, I was their go-to guy for internet questions, and wow. that just that helped change the trajectory as well.
1: Wow! So they were interviewing you to pick your brain, but then were they also using that? Uh, like, was it helping in promoting it all
0: for promoting our business? Oh yeah, anytime, yeah, yeah anytime. The uh, we'd get so many leads <laughs> the next day; it was just yeah. amazing. Wow! Yeah. Wow!
1: So let's, let's, let's walk through how it, how it slowly started to unravel. I imagine it was slowly, right? Did, even though it probably felt fast. It was
0: pretty quick. So by that mm. time we were landing, you know, we had, and, and I remember we had three account, three uh, proposals out for a hundred grand, 150 grand each. So, I mean, they were pretty big deals and that's when things just started to change it. It started to change probably in September, October of 2000, but we still had these really big proposals out. So I knew things were starting to change, but I don't want to lay people off because it would make these people nervous. Again, lessons learned, you don't hold on. So ultimately in February of 2001, we had to lay off 11 people. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, of course, everybody got nervous. None of those accounts came in. And we laid off another eleven, probably by May or June, and then just kind of held on until September. And we had we had gotten a line of credit a couple of years before. Again, really good life lesson, business lesson: is you don't use a line of credit like a term loan; you use it for short-term cash flow issues. And we used it. To grow the company, it, it should never. I never should have used it like we did. And in September, the bank called the note and said, "We're calling. We're calling it." I said, "Well, we've never missed a payment. Don't care." They got nev- nervous. They called every wow. internet loan they had. Wow. I said, "If you do it, you're going to bankrupt the business." Yeah, we don't care. We're calling the loan. Wow. Which was probably the best lesson I ever got in business is when you're indebted to a bank. They control a lot more than just how much you pay each month.
1: Yeah. So, for 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 my edification, as well as the audience, this can you get some details on that lesson? Because that is a powerful lesson when you get a loan from anywhere. From, yeah. You know, especially nowadays, everybody's getting EIDLs and SBAs, and right. you know, maybe people are using that for you know employees or not using it necessarily for growth or whatever it is. It's not returning. Uh, you know, not getting their ROI on it. Can you talk about that? Like, what what were some of the the details and the lessons that you learn and what you tell people
0: so the insane thing is we i went out to lunch with this banker and three hours later I had a quarter million dollar line of credit that pers- and personally guaranteed i mean everybody and you got to remember this was also probably 98 99 everybody wanted in on it as well. So all of the banks wanted to have their piece of it. So it was really easy to get that loan. Way too easy, it turns out. And what happened is, because we're growing so fast, I was using it to grow the business. Advertising, adding staff, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I mean, uh, we had tapped the line of credit within that first year. Um, because again, I was young. I didn't, you know, a line of credit is meant to be short term. You use it, you pay it off, but you know, all of these things that I know now, and you know, we have in, in my current business, we have lines of credits. We rarely ever touch it. There was a time we did, but you know, three months and then it's paid down to zero. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's meant to. For me now, uh, the line of credit should be used for a short-term cash flow issue, not a fundamental grow your business. It, it's just get a term loan, do it differently. But having their ability to call that loan is mm-hmm. is what killed us.
1: What, what was what was the term on the loan?
0: Uh, so it was minimal payments even on the 250 i think it i don't know it was like three four or five thousand a month not a not a big payment but again i was young this was my first business i didn't know any better and yeah. i didn't i didn't know ultimately they would call it like they did
1: yeah that, and that,
0: that was it, just a body blow
1: and it was in the fine print i'm sure that, hey oh, we yeah, call yeah. this whenever yeah. we want Absolutely. What, 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 do you remember like the interest or the points back then
0: Gosh, it wasn't bad.
1: It Wasn't bad. No. Yeah. It's all, it's all, I'm just questioning it because this is. I kind of see a little bit of it now <laughs> with all these loans going out to all these companies to give them lifelines. You know. Yeah. Oof, it's kind of it's, it's crazy. Um. So yeah. So you know, as painful as it might be, I'm hoping that maybe enough time has passed. It's been about 17 years. Yeah. Um. You know. You know, as you start to realize, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I have to file for bankruptcy. Like, how did that all go for you? And Friends and family,
0: so you know, like I had a, I had a good support crew. Also, uh, full disclosure, and this is in the book. I was also in the middle of becoming a raging alcoholic at the tail end oh. of it. Um, so that's that's how I numbed the pain was from drinking. Um, I ended up getting sober about a year after the business business went down, mm. um, and and have been sober since. But I I had a great support crew. I had a competitor in town that when the bank called the loan, um, I called them and said, hey, let's go have lunch. And we basically did a paper napkin deal. And I said, let me introduce you to the bank. And so they bought, I don't know, I think there was like a quarter million and I think they bought the assets for like 50 grand. But Mm -hmm. all of our clients were whole. Nobody lost any money. They kept their websites. That was really the most important thing to me. And it's funny, my current business, has some of those people as clients today? Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah, that, that goes to show uh, you know you built your reputation. Uh, you know people people liked you enough to to follow you. So yep. so now that you went through that, you got a boatload of lessons learned. You know, yep. and 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 we I, I mentioned to you earlier we have a segment called "Embrace the F Word." You know, meaning failure. <laughs> That was it, folks. <laughs> we don't need to go backwards. <laughs> Holy crap. But yeah, let's talk about the lessons learned that brought you success in company TLC.
0: So when I started TLC Tech, I vowed I was going to do it differently this time. I was going to have balance. I was going to take vacations. Hey, I did you gonna... take time
1: off between?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, I went back to teaching for a year. Okay. Um, I went back to, actually, it was in a private uh, all girls Catholic high school. And I went back did that for one year. Turns out I was a horrible, horrible employee. Really good teacher. Horrible, horrible employee. Because once you've been on your own, it's really hard to go back. So my contract wasn't renewed. Uh, A friend of mine who was in business took me out to dinner. She had been a client of my other business and said, you know, what's your next business? No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go to public school. I'm going to, teach their vacations, balance, great mm-hmm. retirement benefits. No, nah, no, nah, you can't do that. So she just, nope, that's what I'm going to do. She just keeps beating on me the whole dinner. Finally, it was like, what could you do? It's like, uh, I don't know. I I guess I know how to work on computers. And back of the napkin, by the end of the night, I had a little <laughs> uh, another little <laughs> business plan to run and ended up starting TLC Tech. And it was just me for the first... Uh, first two years, and then I hired my first employee. But the lessons was I wanted that balance and I was not going to do debt. Mm. So uh, I think my folks invested like 5,000 in the business. Uh, and really what that did is it gave me the ability to not have to worry about cash. And, and it wasn't a lot of money, but I didn't have to worry about having something in AR for 15 or 30 days. Because having that cash flow made me insane. And I went into it knowing that I don't ever want to have to worry about cash flow again. And knock on wood, I picked a business where we bill, we do a flat monthly fee for all of the IT support, bill it at the first of the month. And in almost 18 years, we've never had to worry about cash flow. It's just been amazing. We've grown very steady, but not too fast. Um, so those were, and, you know, we have a line of credit, of course, because a a good business needs that we got it when we didn't need it. I think we, Mm. at at our worst time, I think we used it off and on for like nine months. Um, and it's meant as a gap, a very short term gap to deal with a very specific AR problem, not a fundamental, I need to grow the business and do it this way.
1: Right. Right. Wow. If there's any lesson that we could take from this entire conversation i mean that's powerful brother appreciate that and the vulnerability and sharing the story um yeah that's that's huge (laughs) uh probably one of the best i've heard lately so uh i appreciate that so so tell us um a little bit about the company that you're running now successfully obviously for for 17 18 years um you know and and how you help people there
0: So we're effectively outsourced IT. So we take care of all of their IT support, vendor support, everything IT related. We're effectively their their IT department. Uh, We never call people a client. They're actually partners. And Mm -hmm. we really, we approach them that way that we don't want to be your vendor. We want to be your business partner that helps you with your technology. And it has just really changed the relationship. So... When we meet with them and we meet with all of our partners a couple of times a year, at least to kind of review what they have, where they're going, what their needs are. Uh, But it's also allowed us to help them now do digital transformation. So when we started, everybody had servers. Now we're actually starting to help our partners get rid of their servers, get up to the cloud, Microsoft 365. So we're helping them do what we call a digital transformation. Where now they can work anywhere, anytime, any device, and do so securely.
1: Mm. Is, are these for SMBs, small, mid-size, or yeah,
0: corporate? yeah? Typically, gotcha. our sweet spot is twenty to about one hundred and twenty-five employees. Okay, yeah, That's we good. actively manage right now about twenty-four hundred endpoints.
1: Gotcha. So, awesome. Let's talk a little bit since or uh, uh, before we part here, Michael, about uh, your book. And, and and what inspired it and, and what it's about.
0: So ultimately what inspired it was back on that beach in 2013, uh, figuring out that my life had gotten out of balance again. So I kind of wrote down these six areas, put everything down that I wanted to achieve. And over the next several years, kind of pared that down, got it into goals and I'd look at them about every quarter, maybe once a month and was seeing success. And then in 2016, I think it was, I read uh, Hal Elrod's *The Miracle Morning* and started doing the Miracle Morning practice, which is the daily routine of his his savers. Great book for anybody that doesn't know about it, and I'm sure most of your <laughs> your audience does. But what I did is, when I started that, I had my accountability sheet with all of my goals, which is my 10 year, three year, one year, 90 day, monthly, and then weekly goals. But I started reviewing that every single day. And that's when things absolutely took off for me. I started, mm-hmm. my goal achievement percentages went up drastically. And the ironic thing is, I could actually work fewer hours because I had better balance. I started exercising, I took up running, I became an ultra marathoner, uh, I started traveling more. One of my goals, you know, back to the, the love of travel, is to visit 100 countries. So I'm at 43 now. Um, I just started moving my entire life forward, but not just around business. It was in all all the different areas of my life. And I started turning some friends onto this. They started doing it. And ultimately, the, the best one was my brother read the Miracle Morning, said, I, I want to make changes. Can I come out? Will you help me? Picked him up from the airport a few weeks later, and he said... My, my life is just done. I said what well, he said is his wife of 24 years had asked him for a divorce the wow. day before. And he had been miserable in his life. And so I had outlined the the goals that matter system and said, awesome, let's build your dream life. And over the next three days, we built what was his dream life. What So we, we designed his life and then went through the system on the goals that matter. In his first year, he went through this divorce with kindness, reestablished relationship with his kids, uh, hmm. kids from a previous marriage. He lost, I think, 83 pounds. He bought a Harley. He started traveling. He traveled internationally for the first time. He just changed his life. And actually at the the international trip, it was with us, uh, my folks and I and him went down to Costa Rica and rented a house. And I started outlining the book on that trip Mm. and went. And it was really because of the success I had seen that he went through and how much it drastically changed his life. So I wrote the started outlining and over that process started working on the book. Amazing. Congrats, brother. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So. People are going to obviously be inspired by this, as as I have been. Uh, What's the best ways that they can reach you and and get their hands on the book, especially?
0: So the website is GoalsThatMatter.com. They can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, and the book is on Amazon. Just search for Goals That Matter.
1: Yeah, very cool, brother. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for spending time with me and spending time with the audience, and uh, talk to
0: you soon. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Eric.
1: That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast podcast